Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we are in Serviceman, which is the third play in this series, and we begin Act 2, entitled City Lights, and this is Scene 5, Chicago, which begins with Michael, the narrator, who is the king's son. Stanley rides the train to Chicago from Birmingham in late November of 1945. His sister, Leona Bernstein, lives on the north side at 425 West Aldean Avenue near Lake Michigan. The scene in the spacious living room is Stanley's arrival at the Bernstein family apartment on West Aldean. He embraces Leona, Lee, Richie, and Margie. The king has never seen the children. This will be Stanley's true re-entry to civilian life. He will begin a job at Lee Bernstein's family business, Acme Paper Box Manufacturing, on the city's south side the following week. And Michael continues. The king has a long-term plan that crystallized during his service separation interview in October. He had decided to use the GI Bill to finish college. His interest in flight, air design, and engineering, honed by his war training and experience, meant an application to the University of Maryland at College Park beginning in January of 47. Stanley decided to use Chicago and his new job as an escape from Birmingham and a year to save his salary to live as a veteran college student. He would tell no one about this plan until his departure for College Park. As for his family, he would enjoy Chicago and a year with them. Yes, it was possible that Lee Bernstein might make his departure difficult, but that was a chance worth taking. An essential part of the King's plan is that Acme Paper Box is on a federal list of the Department of Commerce's essential activities for critical occupations, as defined by the Department of Labor, meant that Stanley, who is a reservist, would remain on the home front because of the importance of his position. Michael reads from a letter that his father wrote on April 16, 1945, when his unit moved to Venlo, Holland. And this letter is a deep explanation of who stays and who goes home after the war. Dearest Ones, this was a swell day, for I received five wonderful letters from you. One is dated March 25th, and the others are in rotation 4, 5, 6, and 7th of April. I feel sort of guilty with so many at one time, because in a couple of them you complained of not hearing from me. It's true I haven't written often of late, and I am sorry. Please believe me, it hasn't been because I haven't thought of you, for you're on my mind constantly. I guess the real reason is that I've become awfully lazy. Now that summer is here and the days are so long, I can't seem to get myself away from daydreaming. I found that to be a most pleasant pastime. Two, my job has kept me busy all day and at night 
I seemed to be too tired to write a sensible letter. However, the real squadron bombardier is back now, so I'll have more time to myself. Thus, I promise to write as regularly as before. I'm very proud of you having soldiers over for a Seder dinner. Take it from me. It's the kind of gesture a guy appreciates ever so much while far from home. How I wish I could sit down at the table with you. Maybe soon, I hope. That was an interesting clipping about the night boys. How I envy them. I can't imagine what it would be like to be home again. You asked why I have to fly 65 missions while others fly less. Well, it's different because of the different types of planes. The heavies, such as a B-17, must fly 35, while the mediums, as a B-26, fly 65. When I get home, I'll be able to explain more fully. In the meantime, don't let your optimism run away from you. I'm not anywhere near finishing my tour. In fact, only if the war ended now would I be home anytime soon. So just be patient a while longer. As for asking for a furlough, I had to smile after you suggested that. You must remember that there is a fight to be won over here, so it isn't quite as easy as that. To be truthful, it's absolutely out of the question. You evidently misunderstood, Mr. Knight. You see, a man automatically goes home after finishing a tour without asking. That's why his son is home. 35 missions is considered a tour in the heavies. I hope this is all clear to you. At this point, I'm going to ask you to do something for me, something which undoubtedly you will answer with a definite and precise no. Nonetheless, knowing this, I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to tell you, and I won't accept no for an answer. When my next allotment check arrives, instead of depositing it to my account, you're to cash it for your own use. I want you to divide the $150 between you to go out and get all dressed up. Then, when you're all dressed up, you're to have your picture taken to send to me. If you love me, you'll do as I say. If you want to make me angry, you won't. You do love me, don't you? And you don't want to make me angry, do you? Please, dears, let me feel for once that I'm doing something for you. Mother, I know there is a dress or a suit in some store that you've been admiring, and I'm sure you've seen the exact accessories to go with it. And Dad, the same goes for you. I know you haven't seen any of the new suits in stock, but so much the better. You can go up and pick out the one you like best, and I'm sure it will be the best. Then, when you've succeeded in doing this, I want you to have pictures taken. You know, I haven't one single picture of you, and it's high time I do. So don't let me receive a letter from you saying that you refuse. Well, I'm just about out of stationery again, so please send me another box of food. The shrimp and chicken sound delicious. I haven't received the boxes you mentioned, nor the one with all the goodies, but I'm looking forward to them all. You seem to be the only one writing me. I haven't heard from anyone else in a long time. 
That's why I appreciate the news of Leona and her family. I'm glad they are all well. When do you plan to go up again? Too bad we all can't be there for her birthday. There doesn't seem to be any more news for now. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Please keep well. Love to Ida. I love and miss you. Stan. As the lights go up on this scene, it's Chicago and the Bernstein apartment. And it begins with Stanley's sister, Leona, known as the Duchess. Stanley, it's wonderful to see you. Let me hug you. It's been so long. You look like a real man now. And our hero, the king. Leona, I've been dreaming of this day, hoping to see the growing Bernstein family. I've missed everyone so much. I've seen the photos, but now I'm here for real. And Lee Bernstein, Stanley's brother-in-law. Hello, Stanley, and welcome to Chicago. And say hello to Richie and Margie. Richie has been quite excited to see you. He wants to talk with Uncle Stanley. And Margie's just starting to string words together. And the king. Richie and Margie, how about a hug? I'm your Uncle Stanley. I've been reading about you and seeing your photos. It's time for a big squeeze. And Richie Bernstein. Hi, Uncle Stanley. Mommy said you were in the war. What did you do in the war? Were you a hero? And the king. Hi, Richie. It's so wonderful to see you. Your mom sent me pictures of all of you. I flew in a big plane with other men. We were in the Air Corps. We did our jobs. None of us were heroes, but we did make it home. And Richie. Did you shoot guns, Uncle Stanley? And where did you sit? What does the plane look like? Can you tell me more about your war? And Uncle Stanley, our humble hero. Yes, we did shoot, Richie, quite a bit. Our planes had machine guns and big bombs. And my job was to drop the bombs to help win the war. I sat up front in the plane's nose, which is called the greenhouse, and the view from there was quite amazing. And Richie, Mommy told me about your war job, Uncle Stanley, and Daddy is helping me build a model of your plane, the B-26. Do you want to see it? And the king, I do, Richie. Will you show it to me while I talk with your mom and dad? Leona to the king, Stanley, are you ready to celebrate your return over a scotch with us? We've got a new bottle of Cuddy Sark. Over the rocks, I'm sure. The king, to his sister. I am, Leona. Yes, please. I can probably use more than one. And Lee Bernstein. I'll do the honor, Stanley. It's great to have you home. We want to hear about your war. And tomorrow, perhaps, we can talk about your new job at Acme. It will be great to have you join the family team. As the lights go down on this family scene, Michael will read a letter that his father wrote on May 21st, 1945, from Germany, two weeks after Victory in Europe Day. Dearest ones, 
All the fellows have gone to the movies, so for a change it's quiet and conducive to writing. That's why I didn't go with them. It isn't very often I have such a chance. Well, that's as good as an excuse as any. Happily, I received your very sweet letters today, May 11, 12, and 14. I feel guilty hearing from you so often while you aren't receiving mine. I know I haven't been writing as regularly as before, but you should have heard from me since April 30th. Undoubtedly, something has held up the mail. I really am sorry to cause you to worry. Maybe it will clear up soon. I'm glad you're having so much fun with Cece there. I'm sure she and you are enjoying yourselves immensely. You should persuade her to stay longer. It would be good for all of you. I was sorry to hear about Joe Rubin's mother. Please extend my condolences. Funny, you never mentioned Dodie. Have you fallen out? You act just like children. I was surprised to hear Evelyn Bailey had a girl. Joe must be a proud papa. He certainly will make a good father. I'm anxious to hear how Lee makes out in Washington. It will be ironical if he is drafted now. Up to VE Day, I had flown 27 actual missions, but with credits, it was boosted to 31. That gives me the air medal with four clusters. Now don't be putting that into the serviceman. I've had enough publicity for always. When you see Rabbi, just don't talk about me. And I'll never write him, because I'm too ashamed. I still don't know what's going to happen to us. It seems we're going back to France. For how long, no one knows. It may be one year, six weeks, or one week. Whichever it may be, I figure the longer I remain here, the less chance I have of going to the Pacific. For sure, once I return to the States, it would only be three or four months before I go again. You see, flying personnel must serve two tours of duty before they can remain in the States for good. And though I miss you terribly and want nothing more than to be home again, I feel I'm better off here under the existing circumstances. At least I'm not being shot at here. This has been a miserable day, raining all day and a bit chilly. I've been inside all day and feel like a caged animal. Yesterday it was just the opposite, beautiful and warm. We have a car which was given to us when we took the trip into the Ruhr Valley. It was a Wehrmacht car taken by the military government and given to us for the asking. It's a real convenience. Yesterday afternoon, a buddy and myself drove into Venlo. It was just like being home and taking a ride on a Sunday afternoon. We met two young ladies and took a ride in the country. It was lots of fun, especially trying to master the Dutch language. Outside of that, it was like being in the States again, so it really isn't a bad life. And Wednesday, I'm going to Brussels again on a three-day pass. It's quite the place. Some say it's better than Paris. I'll write the details when I return. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly, hoping you're well. Love to Cece and Ida. I love and miss you, Stan. This is the end of Scene 5, Chicago, in the play Serviceman. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.